I actually developed skills of being able to reassemble the the door, like to take a to cannibalize <laughs> another tape and take the little door off and putting it onto a tape that I needed it on. Yeah, I guess that's why saying. the tape evolved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me my vaccine side effects counselor, Persona Maliandi. How's it going, Persona? I am not a medical doctor. Any advice I give is should not be construed as medical advice. Please seek uh, professional help if you need so. I'm doing okay, Curtis. How are you feeling? Uh, it, was a, it was a pretty rough day yesterday. <laughs> I um, and, and I don't know if it's, you know, because I chose to do both. I got my, you know, I got my my fourth COVID jab as well as I got the second of the shingles vaccines and I got both of them at one time. And it's, this is actually of, of all of the shots that I've had recently. Cause you know, I get my annual flu shot and I got all the COVID shots and, um, uh, and I got the shingles shot, but the first shingles shot, that sounds like it shouldn't sound the way that, anyway, <laughs> shingles shot. Uh, this is the first time that I was, it just knocked me on my butt. And, uh, I took drugs, didn't help. <laughs> I just, I just laid around and moaned and groaned. So really all I could do is call my friends. But you're feeling better, a little better. Yeah. I'd say I'm at about 90%. I'm at, <laughs> which is really, that's, uh, let's be honest. That's how, that's, that's, about, that's about as good as I need to do to, to do a podcast. I mean, <laughs> if I had to be on stage or something. That would be a problem. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better, Curtis. And yeah, like you said, hopefully by the end of today, you should be back up to 100. percent Yeah, uh, or 100 percent of me, which is <laughs> you know who knows what that is for other people. You're bubbly, you. Come on, Curtis. Uh, bubbly me, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm you know I'm fully fully support all the vaccines and everything, but sometimes you get those you get those side effects. <laughs> Well, I told you, I think we maybe we talked about it on the podcast, but yeah, when I got my first booster shot back during Thanksgiving, like we basically had to, we did it the day before Thanksgiving, which is the wrong time to do it. Thanksgiving day, my wife and I, neither of us could get up. Like I was just like exhausted, like fever, you name it. I had the symptoms. And so we ended up postponing Thanksgiving dinner till the next day. <laughs> Druva had our our SKO last week and we were, I was, you know, my wife wanted to get the shots last week cause we have an upcoming trip where we're going to be hanging out with a bunch of family members. So we wanted to get the booster and I, I didn't want to get it right before SKO. And, and I'm glad I, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. That would have been a crappy yeah, SKO. That would have been miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Druva, a persona and I work for different companies and uh, I work for Druva. He works for zoom and this is not a podcast of either company. Any opinions that you hear are ours. Or Curtis's, really. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> and be sure to rate us at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And, uh, or, you know, on your favorite podcaster, just scroll down to wherever they have their ratings and give us some stars and some comments. Uh, we, we Curtis loves reading the comments. He wants more comments, people. Come on. 
to give us comments. We love it. Um, and uh, also, if you you know if you have something to say in this space, a backup, recovery, archive, uh, cybersecurity, ransomware, tape, disk, cloud. I don't know. Did privacy. I cover it? Privacy. Privacy as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know we. We'd love to have you on. Just reach out to reach out to me at wcurtispreston at gmail or at wcpreston on Twitter. So let uh, let us get on to our guest. He is uh, been in the data protection space for longer than I have, which is saying something. <laughs> and um, having uh, worked at a, a number of uh, companies, and he is now. I love this. Is actually what made me invite him on the podcast. I, I was looking on LinkedIn. <laughs> And his title says Data Protection Warrior. I love that title. I may just steal that title. <laughs> the heck with Mr. Backup. I'm going to go with Data Protection Warrior uh, and Crusader of LTO Tape and RDX. Welcome to the podcast, Patrick. Thank you very much for uh, inviting me. Uh, looking forward to the podcast. And uh, and actually, I should call you Pat, right? Not Patrick. Unless That's you're right. Make it Pat. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So welcome, welcome to the podcast, Pat. And uh, the, I, I think the first thing we have to get off the uh, off the off the table here is the, whatever that is behind you, because <laughs> it looks. So I grew up uh, all over the United States, but spent most of my time in Southern California. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, right in Aliso Beach, where these this sport began. Mm -hmm. That's a, a skimboard, basically. Mm -hmm. And so I've been making these since I was a kid. Uh, I got out to Colorado. I still take vacations and I still make them uh, and take them with me. And yeah. then uh, for friends and family, someone will give me a call and say, hey, we're now in Florida. Can you help me out? So, yeah, I still make them and they're pretty fun. So for people who may not be familiar, what's a skimboard? So especially in Southern California, the beaches are steep. OK. And the water's cold. So the water comes up and splashes back down. You run across the shoreline as the water's going down, if you're good. You throw the board, <laughs> jump on it, and slide down. If you're really good, you slide down towards the incoming wave, and it's a, it's a shore break. And you come up it, and you come back down. Mm. And it's, it's an amazing sport. I can't do that. I can sort of go horizontal. Maybe three or four times, then I got to stop and sit down. <laughs> but that's skimboarding. Gotcha. And so it, it's got no fins or anything that would be, uh, nothing, uh, I guess. Right. Yeah. No right. fins. It's flat. A little bit of a of a spoon to it, and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I, I actually, I I've, I think I've seen that some because I you know I live in Southern California, but right. I don't spend I don't spend enough time at the beach. But I, I've seen that. But I. I don't know. I don't think I knew what I was looking at. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, but you you are a, a, I guess an avid skimboarder to the point of actually making your own skimboards. That's about it. <laughs> and uh, you live in you know a little far from the beach. A little far, but uh, <laughs> I've been here for twenty years. I love Denver. I love uh, it. Works out well for business because you can get anywhere you want to get to. Right. We've got all the weather. Sometimes all the weather in the same day, but we have all the weather, so it's good. Yeah, I've spent quite a bit of time in and around um, Boulder and Denver, and um, having visited a lot of the you know the tape companies that tend to be mm -hmm. out there. Um, right, and I, I, I have I have some pictures of what is what is now 
an abandoned factory or, or whatever, you know, the, the tape drive right uh, out there. Yeah. What, what that used to be storage tech facilities, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've got Ace. some really good photos of the, of the, the street mm. signs for tape mm. drive, but yeah, I used to work on tape drive. Really? Oh, really? I used to visit the campus out there. So yeah. at my, one of my prior employers, EMC had a office on tape drive or right off tape drive. Interesting. Right across from those factories that you probably have pictures of. But I, I think when I went out there, it was just like an abandoned field. I think all those factories I, were gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty. I'll let um, Pat, has anything happened out there? Is, or no. Is still just... No, they moved on, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. The land's got a lot of value, but for now, it's still an empty lot. Mm. Yeah. Hey, you know, anybody looking for some <laughs> for some manufacturing facilities? Go uh plenty of land out there. Right. Is that is it that is Boulder, right? Yes, Boulder. it is. Just as you come down the hills off to your right, it's it's a great location. Right, right. Uh and you can you have access to Pat. So, but Pat, you have a job. You work actually for HPE, right? That's correct. So I'm a I'm a business partner manager. I work with our uh, HPE partners to help them sell more, you know, tape media, tape libraries, the whole business of data protection, but focusing on currently focusing on the tape media, uh, the RDX product, which is a little bit unique, uh, and then helping out with tape libraries. I'm going to ask the obvious question just because most of our listeners are probably like, isn't tape dead? <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Just playing. I know we've had a lot of podcast episodes talking about tape but just for all the listeners who may not have heard some of our past episodes Persona, uh, you maybe just, you could give your perspective you just you just so, hurt my heart when you i, I know <laughs> no, no so, so so this is me channeling our listeners okay okay so it, it's interesting because i i started out selling nine track tape way back when the reels i've got one over here but so that tape's been around for a long time. It had a 20-year lifespan. And then tape moved on through all types of technologies, competing technologies. Each one, each new evolution had a better capacity, a better throughput, working on better quality, all those goals. But it was a competition. And so you'd walk into a company and they had one of each, okay, or 20 of each types of technology back in the day. DLT, AIT, 8 millimeter, a bunch. That moved on to uh, a group, the LTO group, and sort of solidified on a standard, multiple manufacturers, all designing the specifications around the cartridge, the media, the tape drive, all those components. And it's a group effort. We do compete, but it's a group effort. So it allows some stability in the marketplace to continually bring out the next evolution the next level of, of technology, um, but as a group, okay? So if someone has a preference for ABC company, they can buy it from ABC or XYZ. They all work together. Um, and nowadays, the, the short answer is tape is as fast or faster than disc. I like saying that. <laughs> it's got a longer shelf life, meaning you can store data for about 30 years. Disc can't do that. It, it's better for the environment because it can store so much capacity of, of data in a very small space that it saves on you know data center um, resources, okay? 
If you could put all your data on a disk, that'd be great, but it would cost so much in terms of space for those systems, for power, for cooling. And so I smile because data is growing so fast, the most cost-effective way to store large amounts of data for long purposes is on tape. It's not going to go away. And then specifically, you know, HPE, my brand of tape, can fit in anybody's tape drive, in anybody's tape library. So all these companies that are creating this content have to put that data somewhere safely. And it's not really an argument because you look at the actual data and say, oh, well, it's going to cost you more to do this. This makes sense. So again, I smile a lot. It's a good, it's a good marketplace. And I yeah. never, I never yeah. use that phrase, <laughs> you know, because it's been around forever. And I just, you know, I, I just can't say that phrase you mentioned, the unknown yeah. phrase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that when you look at tape versus disc, about the only thing that disc is better at is random access. Absolutely. Right? Um, I mean, tape, it, it has a better um, uh, error rate, right? It has a longer storage time. It uh, power, power consumption is is vastly different. In fact, I remember uh, years ago writing a thing that talked about the fact that even if disc were free, the tape would still be cheaper because of the power savings over time, right? You said it. Yeah. And it, it, it's not so great at random access, right? Oddly enough, it can do random access. We have the, uh, darn it, uh, the LTFS, oh, thank you. LTFS. LTFS, yeah. So you, you can make an LTO tape look like a file system. It will be the slowest performing random <laughs> access file system you've ever used, but it will work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I wouldn't use it for that. Like as a, as a human interacting with that, you would not want to do that. Right. But it, it can do that. Why would someone use LTFS over just storing something on LTO tape? Uh, it, it is, as you say, a better way of organizing the data on physical tape so you can get to it faster. And, and there are multiple data management software packages out there. They take advantage of that so that when you and I click on a video online somewhere, that's probably coming off a tape somewhere to a disk and being you know, a station there for multiple access. But it's coming off tape because they can't keep everything on disk. I mean, like you said, if disk was free, when you look at the, the new uh, stories of data centers being put in by all these major corporations, a lot of them social media, the size of those facilities is, is unbelievable. If it was all disk, it would be three times bigger. Okay. I mean, just physical space, there's just a better ability to put data on tape than on disk for those reasons. Which reminds me of something that I, al- that I also say rather frequently, which is, I think if the average person saw what the average build of these large social media companies were and these cloud companies, they would be very surprised by the amount of tape in those environments, wouldn't you say? Right, right. What people like my family will come up to me and say, but dad, what about, uh, what about the cloud? You're going to lose your job. And the cl- answer is the cloud has a lot of tape in it. They're our best yeah. customers. 
Yeah. Because for cost reasons, they can't keep all of your documentation, all of your images and all that on disk. They're trying to be business people and they look at the scale and the speeds. And yeah, there's a, there's a lot of room for growth in the, in the LTO market, uh, in the tape market. Definitely. It's an interesting point you made, Pat, which I hadn't, I, it should have dawned on me, but it wasn't obvious is your video streaming example, right? Where people are accessing video on demand or whatever else. And the companies themselves are storing it on tape. Like that never came across to me as, yeah, that is probably the most likely method that they're doing. Just like you said, for cost reasons and, I'm sure there is, like you mentioned, like buffering and other things to make sure that it performs well once right. the first copy is read. But yeah, keeping that stuff on tape probably makes the most sense. Yeah. If you look at, and there's multiple stories uh, in the market, one in areas, you know, media, entertainment and sports, all of those games, and I kind of smile, all those games are being recorded multiple angles and they're being kept for five, 10 years so that a, a news uh, sports center can say, let's get a recap of all the games that, that Bob Smith played in. They ask the question, it goes out, it goes on the tape libraries, they access all the information they need, load up the tapes, download whatever copies they need, and boom, they have a full story of all that data. And they just can't do it. I shouldn't say can't, but you can't do it physically on disk because of the, the comparison and capacities. Yeah. and power and cooling. Right. I, I'd say the, the other, you know, or earlier I said the, 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 uh, the one thing that disc can do better. The other thing disc can do better, which I, which I probably should have also mentioned is the ability to go any speed. Right. Um, which, which really became, I think the primary problem that tape experienced in the backup space, right? It certainly was for me. And, and it's why, why we started using things like multiplexing, which is, um, you know, it, it's, it, it was a, a necessary evil. Um, and, you know, we, we, we had um, uh, Ricky Martin from NetApp that was talking about that. And he was, just talking about, he, he just referred to it as just evil, right? He just <laughs> evil. I'm like, well, it's a necessary evil back in the day because tape was not good at going slow. It, I don't think it's got any better at going slow these days than it was before. And so that's why it became problematic in backup and recovery. And we used multiplexing for a while to sort of create I don't know, a buffer zone there, if you will, but it, it was such a bad thing in that it made backups okay, but it made restores worse. But that's why I think tape really went down uh, in the backup space. But what has happened is what you're talking about is tape being used in the primary and secondary storage spaces, not as much in the backup space. Um, so I don't know. even on, on the ahead. team that I work with, we do argue. <laughs> We talk about new marketing ideas and what we should be focusing on. And some say uh, it's all about backup and data protection. Mm -hmm. um, and then others say, no, 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 it's all about archive. Okay. In other words, what are our strengths? Mm -hmm. um, and again, you can store on flash, you can store on disk, you can store on tape. You got choices. Um, but on the backup side, you know, for all the current uh, newsworthy issues we're having with ransomware, the idea is to 
copy all your data, and then take that copy and take it off the network. They talk about offline, right? Air gap. Yep. Um, and it's easy to do with tape. So it's right. a copy, but once it's put onto the tape, moves on the into the slot, it's offline. If they break into your network, it's pretty hard to get to the content on tape. It's hard to get to the content on tape because it's not online. And then you make two copies and one goes off site. Mm-hmm. So for backup, that's just a, a huge boom, hate to say it, for tape because of those two features. Get it offline and get it off site. It's easy. The, I, the bigger one, I, as you said, is for archive. I shouldn't right. say bigger, but the other one is for archive because there's so much content. I saw a note today uh, from uh, IDC talking about 40% growth in data across all companies per year. So per year. So that data that you created a year ago, you're required to keep. It maybe has value for engineering purposes or for legal reasons or for content. But you want to get it off your high-powered, high-performance disk systems and get it off-site and get it offline. And then when you need it, you can get to it. We've had a couple of guests on the podcast that have talked about their basically exactly what you're saying, that, that, that it's hard to beat a tape when it comes to ransomware, right? That it's all, it, it, it's it's purely offline, right? C- completely offline. If, if I could jump in, one concept of tape is to make a copy and send it off to someplace like Iron Mountain. That's great. There's some issues regarding your recovery time, your cost to keep it there, et cetera. But it is a great fail safe because... Iron Mountain and other companies like that have very secure environments. In some cases, they're actually under a mountain. And so your data, if it's critical for you for a 10-year storage of data, that's awesome. Very well protected. Another blend is to have on-site data on your own tape library system. And then a second copy, either in the cloud or at a second facility that is has a duplicate system set up. And so... When you talk about disaster recovery, it's not just ransomware. It could be an actual natural uh, effect on your own building, you know, hurricanes, et cetera. So, again, you have local access if it's an attack, uh, but you have a second site so that if you lose your facility for whatever reason, you've got all your data somewhere else safely. I, I like to use things like for what they're really good at. And I do think the tape is really good at this, at holding you know, large amounts of data for long periods of time and also being able to cheaply create another copy that I can store wherever, right? Um, so I, and, and there are technologies to have uh, two tape libraries replicating between each other, right? So that we don't have to continually be shipping tapes back and forth. Um, and, and that's why I think when I go to, it's been, it's been a couple of years for, for obvious reasons since I've been to NAB and I didn't go this, this time Mm -hmm. I was, uh, I was a little busy, but NAB was just last week, the national association of broadcasters, for those of you that don't follow that. And there's a huge interest in tape in the broadcast space for exactly what you're talking about. It, the broadcast and entertainment spaces 
they create a ridiculous amount of data very quickly and then they want to store all of it forever. (laughs) Just imagine the Olympics and taking like 8K video, right? And that's an enormous amount of data for how many weeks and now you want to store it because in like four years or whatever else, you're going to want to be able to pull up those clips again. Are you going to store it all on disk? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. So, yeah. uh, but let's take it, but let's take a turn. So we talked about tape for a while. You have another technology, which is not tape, which, um, I, I, I have, I don't see a lot about lately. In fact, it, it, I, I actually thought it had, <laughs> I apologize, but I thought it had gone by the wayside. And when I saw that in your, um, bio, I said, Hey, we've got to get Pat on to talk to us about RDX. So first off, why don't you describe what RDX is? Sure. I'm looking around the room here. It's not the car, All right. by the way. <laughs> Pardon me? It's not the car. Right? It's, it's not, not the, the car. It's not the RDX. Exactly. No, no. <laughs> so, so you mentioned Boulder. I believe the company was called ProStore. Developed a technology yep. in Boulder for RDX. And they developed it for a while and then sold the rights to multiple companies, um, like, like Tambert, for instance, uh, Tambert Overland. And it's, it's used by Dell, HPE, and other companies today um, to put out in the marketplace. In a nutshell, it is a disk drive and a cartridge. So it looks similar to this, but it's actually a disk drive. And it has a small docking station, usually USB attached. And same concept, I want a copy of my data. I want to be able to eject it and then throw it into a safe or take it off site to a secure facility or send it securely to somebody else and have them load it for themselves. So it's disk in a cartridge. Um, been around for, oh gosh, I'm getting old, more than 15 years. Uh, it's still quite popular in some of the workstations that are put out by HP and HPE. Uh, like the ProLiant, um, where someone has a series of disks and all their content. And as an engineer, they say, or a creative person, they say, give me a copy and I want it on disk. Okay. So they just pop it out. And again, this portable, et cetera, same kinds of, uh, or similar advantages to tape. Uh, what I do with both, you know, if I get to in a stage, I just throw them because the RDX disc cartridge is designed to take an impact of like three feet. And I usually just throw it though. Um, so it's a different level than say a standard USB uh, external drive. Uh, it's right. designed for somebody who's moving a lot of data often on disc. Okay. Um, one example I thought of as the uh, uh, law enforcement offices evolved into body cams, and uh, surveillance cameras um, and cameras mounted on, on the police cars, a normal IT environment had to jump a factor of 10, like a factor of 10 to maintain all that data. And you can do it with USB drives, uh, but you can also do it with a more secure product called RDX. So it, 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 it's bringing some of the functionality of tape to disc, if you will, or Correct. It's basically making making tape look like disc. What does it actually look like when you 
when you put a cartridge in? Does it show up as a drive letter or? Yep. Sure. It looks like a disk drive. It is a disk drive. Okay. So, and for some people, again, depending on your environment, um, retail businesses, they can use tape. And a lot of times they used to use the four millimeter DAT, okay, mm -hmm. as their daily backup for all their uh, uh, POS environment data. And that worked just fine. The technology went away. And so they were asking, well, what else is there? A disc in a cartridge is very easy for each individual retail store. And imagine all those stores out there to just eject it, toss it in the safe every night. It's a very secure way of keeping a copy of all those transactions. Um, and again, every customer says tape or disc. You know, what, what makes sense for me? We all have a preference. Obviously, uh, at some point, the capacity benefits of tape, making it cheap to storing data, outweigh the capacity and the cost for RDX. But for one terabyte to five terabyte environments, it, it has a great play. Is there a reason, though, someone wouldn't just use like an external portable hard drive or another mechanism like that? So do you Instead have one of, of those at home? I do. You must have one. Yeah. Yep. So I do too. Okay. So I back up my stuff onto a, 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 a USB drive. Yep. If I was doing that and unplugging it every single day, okay, at some point, that's not what it's designed for. Hmm. Okay. Just the mere fact of plugging it in and plugging it out that USB. If it's always plugged in or plugged in once a month when you do your backup, great. That's fine. Yeah. But individuals who are going through five, 10 of these external drives and plugging them in for different reasons, it makes more sense to have a docking station that is designed for anti-static um, human beings just shoving it yeah. in, okay? <laughs> and all the security right. you need for that kind of multiple volumes being stored on multiple cartridges, okay? And it's all plugged in once, either internal or external. So it's just a different level. Um, By the way, I, you, your earlier comment, it gave me multiple flashbacks. I just wanted to tell you that uh, when, you, <laughs> when you mentioned retail and you mentioned DAT drives, because uh, I cut my teeth, uh, like the, the most popular tape drive that I spent a lot of my time in early. These were HP 9000s. I don't know if you remember the HP 9000 series. But right. uh, I had I had a an army of those in my data center, and we had the DDS one and the DDS two drives, and uh, those things. Just a big thing with them was to not drop them because <laughs> they were they were good tape drives. But if you drop that tape from a height of like you know me, that it would go shattering. Right, the the, yeah. the door would go shattering, and uh, I actually got. I actually developed skills of being able to reassemble the the door, like to take a to cannibalize <laughs> another tape and take the little door off and putting it onto a tape that I needed it on. Yeah, I guess that's why saying. the tape evolved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, because LTO is is by comparison or by contrast is much more um, you know rigid, right? Uh, it, it handles. Yeah. And, and later generations of LTO are more rigid than earlier generations of LTO. In fact, I, I have this information from a very different standpoint than most people. 
I actually was making a music video where um, we shatter tapes against, there was just one shot that I wanted and we did it in slow motion and uh, we wanted to shatter an LTO tape against the wall and we wanted it to hit the wall and then explode, right? And it turned out it was impossible to make that shot and the only because it, it wouldn't do it and uh, no matter how hard we threw it. And so what I ended up having to do was to disassemble the cartridge, take out all the screws, right? And then tape it together, <laughs> put, put scotch tape on the outside so that so that uh, when we threw it against the wall, it would... Uh... So like I said, that's a very different... The average person has not tried to destroy a, a, a tape for... Um, you know, for a music video. So what, what, so the, the, the use of RDX that you talked about, I, I heard you talk about retail environments. I hear what, what are other places that people are using the, what are other things that people are using them for? I, I hate to limit it because it really comes down to, you know, what are your requirements, but I'll try, I'll start with that. If you're in an environment where you're working on say one terabyte to say five terabytes of data, Okay, on a regular basis, you need a backup. You need something rugged. Um, RDX might be used for you know laptop environment where scientists are going out into the field and analyzing uh, uh, the data from either marine or geological information, and they need something they can back up their laptop on, and then put mm-hmm. in their, their briefcase and come back from the field and have the data secure. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's used on, I've seen applications in oil um, exploration vessels, and that's an amazing technology where they go out and they troll with all these sensors and gather all this data from the ground under the water. It's so much data, but they're on a ship. And so once they collect right. it, they want to be able to securely put it on something. And the IT person says, I need all LTO. The IT person says, I need all RDX. Again, a choice, okay, uh, for what they see is more beneficial for their environment. So there's some big scale type applications, uh, but the small scale is someone who is a content creator at home and you walk in their office and they've got multiple USB drives of different sizes and they've knocked some off the table and they've lost content. They need to hear about RDX and I'll admit it's not a well-talked-about product, um, but it has a great application. I was even thinking as you are talking about the content creators, even probably people, photographers, videographers, right? The people in the field taking 4K video and things like that, right? For the most part, I think they end up just throwing them onto SSD drives, right? Portable hard drives. But like you mentioned, right? They're not always the most robust, right? In all situations, and things like that. And so maybe that could potentially be another use case as well. Exactly. I would assume, well, I, I'm, I, I'm going to assume, but you can verify or, or, or disagree. The, the, the bay, the, the docking station, it's less expensive than an LTO tape drive, I'm assuming. So you think about RDX and RDX as a removable cartridge that has a disk drive in it. I guess the key thing to think about is that majority of the technology is here in the cartridge, okay? It's a disk mm-hmm. drive in a very well-designed case that has some anti-static issues. Um, 
allows you to plug it in, plug it out multiple times without destroying any connectors. And the docking station, okay, to be blunt, is pretty low technology, okay? It's got the cord going into the system, and it might be internal, um, but it's very low cost. So okay. as we evolve through technology and someone said, I've got my four millimeter DAT technology backing up my office environment, and I can't find uh, uh, DAT tapes anymore. I can't find four millimeter tapes anymore. And, they're, and they search and they pay a lot of money for those tapes because they don't want to change their system. One of the first issues they worry about in going to the next level of tape technology is that it might be over $500, over $1,000, over $3,000 for a brand new LTO tape drive. Right. Without getting in trouble, a docking station under $250. And they transition to this technology. And in that environment, that cost to change technology is quite low. And then they have, you know, the current disk drive in a cartridge meets their needs. So it sounds like the the docking station is less expensive. The quick look I the quick search that I did, it shows that the the media is more expensive than LTO, which makes sense given all of the the, the technology that's in there, just like, you know, what you talked about. Right. So that is something that a, that a potential customer needs to weigh out, right. Um, in terms of, do I want a more expensive tape drive that will have, um, you know, less expensive media. It depends on how many of those you're buying. Right. Absolutely. And, and like you said, if, if, if you need, cause it was like, it was around 500 bucks for, uh, for a five terabyte cartridge that I, at least my quick search, Whereas something like that with LTO is is a hundred bucks or less, right? So it, it, it just going to different different people are going to find both of those useful, I would think. Exactly, and that and that is again the the customer makes the decision based on what their data is, uh, what their concept is about disc or tape, um, and then like you said, the uh, docking stations for RDX is very low cost to step into. Um, as opposed to a tape drive. The one question I had for you, Pat, sure. was I know we talked earlier about LTFS and giving you sort of random access for data that's stored on LTO tapes. I'm guessing with RDX, because it is disk, right? Your random access performance, everything else would be significantly better than tape. In my mind, if I was a content creator, and I, I have a drone, by the way, I love my drone. <laughs> Got a lot of grandkids. I love chasing them around the house, you know, or outside. So all that content, I can put on an RDX and load it and access it and use it and play with it and then take it out, put it back on the shelf. And let's just call that summertime 2022, okay? Um, with tape, I wouldn't be able to do that quite as easy. I would take the content out, download it, what I wanted, play with it, and then put it back on. So for different environments... It's an advantage to have a, a disk-based system, okay, as opposed to a tape-based system. Yep. That's all. Makes sense. Like Curtis was saying, I think the different use cases, right? You have to look and see what is your use case, what are your requirements, and based on that, you have options. Right. And again, I, in talking to sales teams, and they ask the question, great question, where does RDX fit and where does LTO tape fit? 
usually the customer has already made that decision. But but the real opportunity is when you find somebody, like I mentioned, like a sheriff's department, that's buying 10, I'll call them raw USB disk. And somebody's responsible to collect all the data off all that incoming video, track it for legal reasons, deliver it to a courthouse, and they're maybe buying, you know, 10 disk drives, hard disk drives at a time. That person, I think, would love to have something more secure like this, okay? Because the, the volume of media that they're actually handling, plugging in, plugging out, this solves that problem, okay? And it's more secure if you drop both of them. This type of cartridge is more secure than your standard uh, retail USB drive. So, Pat... Would it make sense for a home user to use RDX? I, I hate to say yes quickly, but the answer is yes, because you're looking at the cost of your system, whatever laptop you have, et cetera. Um, to be able to get a docking station, you know, for under 300 bucks and then put all your, all your events on a cartridge and keep it on the shelf, that makes sense. I, I would find it hard to understand someone buying a, a tape drive, like an LTO-8, and using that for their <laughs> content. It's just so much capacity. Yeah. Now, if you have that much capacity, great, okay? But it's overkill. And the investment cost to begin is high. Yeah, yeah the, the, average, the average home, I would say it would be, the, it would be a power home user, right? Someone who's creating content. Mm-hmm. Um, although in today's day and age, that could be my granddaughter who's nine. Yeah, um, I know. <laughs> right. They're all, they're all independent filmmakers at home these days. Right. Um, so, all right. Well, on that note, uh, I think we'll round things out here and, uh, say thanks Pat for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Enjoy talking about it anytime. And thanks Persona for, uh, your uh, great questions as always. I try, I try. And I hope you feel better soon, Curtis. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and thanks to our listeners. And be sure to subscribe so that you can restore it all. <laughs>